Well, good morning, church. Glad you're here this morning, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, if anybody think for the mothers, let's give them some praise this morning. Give them a round, round cap of praise. Uh, this morning, we're going to, you know, we want to celebrate moms, and, and honestly, I just want to say this to you, that we don't just want to celebrate moms, we really want to celebrate all of our ladies of the church, because there are many women I know from years past that maybe and that weren't able to have kids, or maybe many of them just chose not to have kids, but at the end of the day, all of our adult ladies, I'm sure, have had moments in their life where they've invested and poured into nephews and, and nieces and somebody else's grandkids, and so we want to celebrate all our ladies of the church today, and the way we want to do that is we have a gift for you. So if you're an adult lady in the church, we're going to ask you to raise your hand up. Just raise it up. Be proud. Don't put it down. Keep it up. Adult, Not adult guys, but adult, adult ladies, raise your hands up. And kids, come on, and we've got a rose for you, so we want to give all the moms a rose. And dads, let's just give our moms a hand and our ladies a hand one more time. Keep the hands up until you get a rose, and you can put them down. Keep them up there, all the adult ladies. Everybody good? Guys, you don't get one. I'm sorry. All right, let's give our kids a hand. Thank you, kiddos. Thank you for coming out of worship and being a part of that today. And so moms we and ladies, we want to celebrate you today. But we don't, I don't want to take a moment to celebrate you. I want to take some time to challenge all the ladies too in the church. And so for today, just for today, we're going to take a break from the book of Colossians. We'll come back to it next week. We'll be in chapter two, where we talk about three specific philosophies that Paul addresses that the church of Colossae is wrestling with. But today I want to kind of break from that. And I want to talk about one of the most, uh, probably one of the moms in scripture that you hear very little about. Now, we know the story surrounding this particular mom, but typically we focus on the nuance of the story, and we never focus on kind of what mom went through through the process of this story. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, I know for the men in the room, here's what you're thinking. I'm off the hook today, right? But the truth of the matter is you're not off the hook because what is true in Scripture, whether even though we're going to address the moms, we're going to talk about four particular things that, that are a mark of godly mothering. Here's what I also want you to know. These are the same marks of godly living, godly, being a godly man, being a godly woman, being a godly husband. These marks are true for all of us. So while I might be targeting some of my comments directly to the ladies of the church, these truths are true for all of us. If you understand that, say Amen. So, men, you're not off the hook this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. And we're going to look at a story. And the mother we talk about today is actually not found in Exodus 2. You don't hear her name. And so it's in Numbers 26 that we first are introduced to this mother. Let's put that verse up if we can, Thomas. In Numbers chapter 26, it says this. The name of Aram's wife was Jochebed. Everybody say Jochebed. Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And she bore Amran, Aaron and Moses and Miriam. So the, mo the mother of Moses was Jochebed. Now, when we go back to Exodus, what we're going to find out is we don't hear that name mentioned, but that's the lady we're talking about. We're talking about Jochebed, the mother of Moses. And as we read chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 2, we're going to see some interesting things. There's four things this morning that I want to point out about the marks of a godly lady, a godly mother, that's true of all of us. It's marks of a godly person for all of us. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. Exodus chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading the first 
10 verses. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman, that would be Jochebed. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she took him and made a basket of bulrush and dobe and bitumen and pitch, and she put the child and placed it among the reeds and the riverbank, and his sister at a distance, that would be Miriam, to know what she had done with him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her young woman walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. She opened it, and she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. And you're like, no doubt, right? And she took pity on him and said, this is the one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away to the nurse, for him, nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, verse 10, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he, because her, he became her son, and she named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Let's pray. God, I ask you to bless this time today. And God, I pray that we would all realize this morning while we're going to be talking about the ladies and motherhood and, and Jacobed, that the truths we find in Scripture today are truths that are relevant for all of us. So may we have ten of ears to hear what you have to say to us. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, as we look at the passage, there's really four things that I want us to pull out of the passage about really four marks of godly mothering, four marks of being a godly person. And the first one's found in verse one. Go back to verse one with me. It says this, now a man from the house of Levi went and took a wife, a Levite woman. Now, the one thing I want you to know, first of all, about Jochebed is that she was a woman of faith, that she was a woman of faith. And we know that because if you think about this, if you, you may not know this in the Old Testament, but the Levites were kind of the spiritual leaders of all of Israel. In fact, the Levites, once the law was established at the, toward the end of Moses' life with the Ten Commandments, and once the Ten of Meetings, which they used in the, the wandering years and the, the temple that was eventually built, the Levites were in charge of the worship of the Ten of the Meetings. They were in charge of the worship of the temple. They were in charge of the preparation, but not only the preparation of all that went on, but they also were in charge of practicing it. So it wasn't enough just to tell people what it meant to grow or what it meant to worship. They led the way in that. And so the Levites, by heritage, were very spiritual people. Now, Jochebed obviously precedes the law. She comes before Exodus chapter 20 when God gives the Ten Commandments. She comes before Israel has a place of worship. But what we know about Jochebed is by virtue of her being from the tribe of Levi, she was a woman of great faith. She was a woman because the tribe of Levi was always labeled, always known as, even before the law, as really the spiritual leadership of Israel. Here's how we know that. The first priest of Israel was Aaron, and Aaron was the other son of Jochebed. So he falls into a lineage of being a Levite that was obviously in charge of the spiritual leadership. So why I say that is this, because Jochebed obviously was well aware of what it meant to grow in her faith. She was obviously well aware of what it meant to spend time and to nurture and to grow in her relationship with the Lord. She was obviously very well aware of what it meant to worship Yahweh. 
So she's a Levite woman who's very aware of what it means to worship and to follow God. And she marries a Levite man who's obviously also very enthralled in what it means to be a person of faith and worship. And they got married, which means their relationship was built on the worship and their faith in God. Are you with that? Say amen. So I know I built a long case there, but the end of the day is this. She was a woman of great faith. Now, more simply put, we see that through the rest of the story. We see through the rest of the story that Jochebed trusts God. She put her faith in God. And the reason I want to point this out first is because a mark of a godly mother is a mother who has faith, who's a woman who trusts the Lord, who's a woman who can be seen investing in and growing in her relationship with the Lord. Now listen to me, ladies. It is crucial, whether you're a mom or you're an aunt or you're a grandma, it is crucial that you make sure that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord. Now how do we do that? We do that through making sure that we're reading God's word and we're putting God's word into our life. We do that by praying, right? And that's how you build your relationship. Are you with me, ladies, this morning? Are you with me? That's how you make sure you build that. But let me tell you something that's crucially important. Your children need to see you reading God's word. Amen? Your children need to see you praying. In fact, one of the images I have seared on my brain and in my heart is when I was a kid, every night at 1030, there was a late night show that would come on. Johnny Carson would come on. Anybody remember Johnny Carson? Okay. I didn't care for Johnny Carson. I only would, my mom would put me to bed and I would get up at night and sneak down the hallway, crawl down the hallway and sneak up behind the couch so I could watch Johnny Carson. Not because I cared about Johnny Carson, but because I just wanted to sneak and stay up later than I was supposed to stay up. And I can't tell you the number of times I would crawl in there, I'm sneak up, just peek my eyes above the couch. And here comes Johnny. He's out there. And I would look to the left and see my mother. And you know what she was doing? She was reading her Bible. I can't tell you the number of times I saw my mom reading God's word. And I'm just telling you, as someone who wants to encourage all the ladies and moms and all the ladies in the room, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, they need to see you investing in God's word. They need to see you reading God's word. The number of times I'm seeing Sonia sit at the kitchen table and the boys pass by as she's reading God's word, that matters. You may think it doesn't matter, but it does matter. They need to see you praying. They need to hear you praying. They need to know that your faith in Jesus really does matter. And so you, as a mark of a godly mother, is a woman of faith who not only trusts God, but is also someone who is involved in actively letting her kids see growing in her faith in Christ, but also who's someone that is seen to spend time worshiping God. You know, one of the things here that we do at East Campus is about to hit in a really big way is the fifth Sunday of every month, and really for the whole summer months, we bring all our kids of elementary into the worship service to be here the whole time. Now, the fifth Sunday, we do like a little children's message to kind of have something for them, but we want them to come in there. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you probably do that to give our children workers a break. Well, that's part of it. But can I tell you what the biggest part of it is? I want our kids to see their parents worshiping a holy God. That matters. When your kids don't see you like this, just kind of not saying anything. And I mean, when you have this attitude when it comes to lifting up the only name that can change someone's soul, and when you have this attitude when you're, 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 you're worshiping like this and, and you're lifting up the one who created the universe and your kids see that, do you think that has an impact on them? 
Or when you're sitting there and we're singing and we're praising, but we're back there and we're just talking and we're just chit-chatting, we're talking about the week, instead of worshiping the king that deserves our worship, that makes a difference. But also, when our kids see us saying the words, now some of you are like me, you can't carry a tune in the bucket. I get that. But when your kids see you saying the words on the screen and there's something in you that is driven and motivated by the sense of, I want to worship my king this morning. The one that we've been talking about in Colossians, who is sovereign and who's supreme. When we worship him and lift him up, our kids are impacted by seeing you worship. And one reason we bring them in here is because I want them to be impacted. I want them to say that my mommy and my daddy, they love Jesus and they're not ashamed of that. And so when we think about Jochebed, she was a woman of faith. And a mark of a godly mother is a woman of faith, a woman who invests in God's word, who invests in the worship of God, who trusts God. She was a woman of faith. The second thing I want you to notice it's found in verse 2. It says this, The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, your parents may not have said that about you, you're a fine child, she hid him for three months. Second thing I want you to notice, not only she, did she have faith, she had courage. Now here's something I want you to think about for a moment. I believe with all my heart, just put, put the ladies off the page for all of us in the room, when we are people of faith, when we trust God, when we are investing ourselves in God's word and making sure that our kids know that we love the Lord and we're going to grow in our faith, when we invest ourselves in worship, it's amazing the greater our faith grows and the more rooted our faith becomes, it's amazing how much more courage we have, right? The greater my faith is in the Lord, the greater my faith is in worshiping him, the greater my faith gets rooted and more grounded and more Christ-centered, and the greater my faith becomes the greater my courage becomes. And here's a woman of great faith who exhibited great courage. And one way she did that was she took her son Moses, and what did she do? What did she do with him? This fine child, what did she do? She hid him. You say, well, Doug, that doesn't sound like a lot of courage to me, right? She went and hid him. Well, well think about it. He's, he's like less, he's three months old by the time that she has to make a decision. So in that short period of time, how many of you that have ever had kids could say that for three months you could keep your kids quiet? Anybody? Even pacifiers don't work, and they didn't have them back then, right? So there's, there's a sense of, okay, how in the world would she have kept him quiet? But here's the thing about Jochebed we know is the reason she had courage and the reason that she hid, the reason she hid was because of this massive decree that went out from the Pharaoh, that all Hebrew boys under the age of two must be what? Must be killed. Now, I don't know about you, but I love my boys. Do you love your kids? Now, that was not a rhetorical. I mean, you need to answer that question. Do you love your kids? Okay, you're sitting beside you. They're listening, right? Yes, you love your kids. How many of us, if that decree happened, would be like, I've got to do something too? And so she went and she hid her son, because, I mean, there's no way she could have been quiet. But ultimately, in her hiding, what was she doing? She was saying, God, I trust your provision for me. I trust that you gave me this son. And I know that as a parent, my job is to protect my son. And I know there's a decree that's out there. And so I'm going to do all I can as a mother to protect my son. And God, I'm trusting you. I have the courage to say, God, I trust you to protect me. I trust you to protect my son. She had a great deal of courage. In fact, if you don't believe that, the Bible tells us that Jochebed wasn't even afraid. Listen to this. Look, listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11. It won't be on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says this. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months 
by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So this person, this Jacobed, she wasn't even afraid. Ultimately, she knew everything was out of her control and she just put it in the hands of God, right? Here's a woman of great faith who spent time, I'm sure, learning what it meant to grow in her faith, time worshiping the Lord. Here's a woman of great faith. Because of that faith, had great courage. She hit him, trusting for God's protection. She hit him knowing that God was in control. And then after that, she wasn't even afraid. She wasn't afraid because she knew that this God who loved her and cared for her had a plan. Even when she didn't see the plan. You think Jochebed knew the plan God had for her? Absolutely not. She had no idea. But she knew that God was in control. And so I want to suggest this to us this morning, that a mark of a godly mother is one of courage. And I just want you to hear me, ladies. When our faith is more greatly rooted, our courage becomes greater. In fact, you see that in Scripture, don't you? Probably one of the best examples I can think of is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These are three Israelite men that were taken in captivity to Babylon. You remember the story? And they find, they find themselves there, and the king says, listen, you guys have got to do what I want you to do. You've got to, you've got to bow down and worship me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego goes, you know what? We're not going to, we love our God, we have faith in our God, and we are not going to commit idolatry, and we're just not going to do it. And the king, who likes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and so furious at their decision, he calls them to himself, and he gives them one more chance. You remember the story? As if you don't do it, guys, that furnace over there, I'm going to turn it up seven times hotter, and I'm going to throw you in it, but guys, I'm giving you one more chance to bow down. When you hear the harps and the lyres and all this, you bow down and you worship. Listen, if you do that, man, we're good. We're good. And do you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told King Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, king, listen, he is our God and not you. Our faith is in him. And our God, listen, our God is able to protect us. Now, he may not protect us, but at the end of the day, king, here's what I want you to know, that my faith will never be in you. My faith will always be in him. See, a great faith they had in their God produced a great sense of courage. And mothers and moms and ladies, listen to me this morning. The mark of being a godly woman, a mark of being a godly man, a mark of being a godly mother or husband is being a person of faith, but also being a person of courage. Everybody say courage with me. You got to have courage. Let me give you a third one, which maybe to me, maybe one of the most important ones found in verse three and four. Look at me in verse three and four. It says this, when she could hide, uh, I'm sorry, when she could hide him no longer, she took from him a basket made, and then he, she, he lists things that was made of bulrushes and daubed and, and bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. Here's the third thing she had. She had faith, she had courage, she had discernment. The third thing she had was discernment. This was a big deal. Because it says here, when she realized that she could keep him quiet, no longer, right? There's a moment when that three-month-old was like, okay, it's not going to work anymore. I can't keep this baby shut up anymore. I've done all I can do. I protected him. I've hid him. But at the end of the day, something else has got to be done. And so what did Jacobed do? She used the wisdom that God had given her, and she discerned the situation, and she developed a plan. Listen to me, moms. She developed a plan, and here was the plan. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to I'm form a basket, 
And I'm going to take that basket and, I, and I'm going to place my son in that basket. And I'm going to put my son, whom I love and care about, and I'm going to put him in the Nile River. But I'm going to put him in the shallow part of the Nile River. And the reason we know that is because if you put him in the deeper part, there were such things as crocodiles and other things that could have gotten him. So we're going to put him in the shallow part. And as he drifts away, I'm going to make sure in this basket where I place him, I'm putting him on a path to be rescued by somebody else. Now, don't miss that. Jacobet, I mean, this woman of great faith and courage, had this great discernment to bank this basket, to put her son in this basket, to put him in the shallow area of the Nile River. And as it floated down the river, she did it so that someone who would eventually come to the river, hopefully, could rescue her son. Now, if you're a mom, could you do that? Come on, only one answer. Mama, could you do that? Would that be hard to do? Sure it would, but there was a great sense of discernment in Jochebed that allowed her that she came to a place where she did all she could do, and now it was time to totally trust the Lord. She did all she can do, and so everything, the rescue of her son is now out of her hands, and it's in God's hands. Did you hear that? The rescue of her son is out of her hands, and it's in God's hands. Now, I want you to hear me this morning, ladies and men as well, that one of the marks of being a godly person, especially a godly mother, is, the, is having that discernment. And what I mean by that is you need to take the wisdom that God has given you, and you need to discern and have a plan for your kiddos, a plan of how you're going to nurture them, a plan of how you're going to guide them, a plan of how you're going to train them, a plan of how you're going to lead them. Are you with me on that? You need to have a plan, because if you don't have a plan, guess what? You're not going to do any of it. You're just going to wing it and hope it all works out. Well, guess what happens when you wing it? It never works out, right? You need to have a plan. You need to take the discernment that God has given you, and you need to have a plan about how you're going to raise your kids. You never approach. Listen, it doesn't need to come from somebody else. It doesn't need to come from mama and daddy. It needs to come from the wisdom that God has given you. You need to have discernment about how you're going to raise your kids, a plan of how you're going to do that. You need to have that plan. But at the same token, we need to make sure as part of that plan, listen to me, this is big, as part of that plan, we have discernment to make sure that our kids, are you ready, are put into the pathway that one day they're going to meet Jesus. Are you with me on that one? Just as Jochebed put her kid in the pathway that one day maybe he would be rescued by somebody, we need to make sure as parents that we are putting our kids in a pathway that one day they can meet Jesus. Listen, that's why it's important for our kiddos to be in elementary worship and small group. That's important for our teenagers to be in worship. It's why it's important for our kids to be invested in camps, be invested in church. We need to, as parents, do all that we can do to make sure our kids are put in the pathway to give them every opportunity and every chance possible to make sure they're going to get a moment to meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, you can't force that to happen at that point when you put them in the path. I, I, I believe with all of my heart that when Jacobed put Moses in the water and let him go, I believe with all of my heart what she did first was she just began to pray. Oh, God, Yahweh of all eternity, would you rescue my son? How many of you have ever prayed that for your kids? Right? When he's like five years old, that becomes a perpetual player in your life, doesn't it? on your knees all the time saying, Lord, would you, would you do something in the life of my kids that there might be a moment that they would say yes to you? Listen to me, parents. We have to use the discernment that God has given us to make sure that we are putting our kids in the path to meet Jesus. Because we are raising disciples more than we're raising anybody else. And we can't raise a disciple if they've not come to know Christ. And so we've got to do all that we can do to put them in that path. 
See, I, I, just want, to, I want to challenge you this morning. We put our kids in a lot of different paths, right? We put them in a the path of greatness and some extracurricular things. We put them in a the path of a lot of greatness when it comes to academic things. We put them in a lot of paths. But the most important path we can put them on is a path that maybe one day they would meet Jesus. Don't neglect that path. And that's what Jacobed did. She put uh, Moses in there. Then look what happens. Look how this story plays out. She puts him in the path, and she totally trusts God and to do only what he can do. And look with me in verse 5 through 9. Look what happens in the story. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while there was a young woman walked beside the river. She saw a basket among the reeds and sent to her servant woman, and she took him. She took it, and when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying, and she took pity on him and said, This is the one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go for you and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, Jacobeb. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and she nursed him. Listen, here's how this story played out. This woman of great faith, this woman of great courage, this woman of great discernment who put Moses in the basket, took him down the Nile River, praying that God would send someone along the way to rescue him. Here's how the story played out. Just think about it. She puts him in the river, lets him go, and just happens that Pharaoh's daughter, right? It just so happens, coincidentally, right? That Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe that day. And Pharaoh's daughter's servants would have walked up and down the line of the river there. One reason to make sure there was no vermin that were going to be in the river with her, but also to keep away people that shouldn't have been there. So they're up and down the river, and all of a sudden, she sees this reed, this basket, and she gets it, and she calls it, and then she opens it, and she notices that it's a Hebrew child, because obviously he wasn't an Egyptian child, he was a Hebrew child. And, you know, at that moment, what should a Pharaoh's daughter have done with this Hebrew child? She should have reported it to her father, and what should happen to the Hebrew child? He should have been killed. But what does the Bible say she did for him? She took what? Pity. She took pity on him. And then she realized, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's a, here's a three-month-old baby. Guess what? He needs to be nursed. I have not had a child. I can't nurse. There's a dilemma with that. You're like, well, what about formula? Okay, think about that question for a moment, right? There's a problem with that question, right? And so Miriam, the older sister sees this going on and go, wait a minute, I can go find a Hebrew woman who's had a baby and she can nurse him too. Do you want me to go do that one? Well, sure, that's a great idea. So Miriam, what does she go do? She goes and gets who? Jacobed. She gets mom, right? And look, mom, this is the best part of the story. Mom shows up and she says, would you nurse my child? Sure. And if you will take him and you nurse him, no, would that be a blessing to me, but I'm going to pay you on top of it. How many stay-at-home moms would love to be paid on top of all that you do, right? Like, that would be a dream, right? And so listen, when you look at this story and you think, listen, think about it from a secular standpoint. He's put in the river. So happily, she comes down. She notices him. She takes him. There happens to be a Hebrew woman right around the corner who can nurse him. We're going to let him nurse him. I mean, you look at that and go, man, what a coincidence, right? And I would say, no, that was just God at work. That was God orchestrating what God wanted to do. And I think one of the most powerful truths we can learn from this part of the story is this, is that we need to do all that we can do with the discernment that God has given us to do what he's called us to do and to follow his leading. But there's a moment where we have to turn it all over and put it in his hands and let God do only what God can do. And that's exactly what happened in the story. So think about this. If you're Jacobed, are you elated right now? Come on, are you elated, ladies, if you're Jacobed? You let him go. The sorrow in your heart 
Even though you trust God, there was some sadness, I'm sure, and you're praying, you're praying, and all of a sudden, Miriam comes, her older daughter, and says, oh, by the way, Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she wants you to nurse him. Home run, right? And she goes, and she takes the boy. Now, something else in the story, one more thing I want you to notice about this that I love, and it's found in verse 10, because to me, this is probably the most powerful part of the entire story. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, Pharaoh's daughter's son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Listen, here's the fourth thing I want you to notice about Jochebed, is that she never stopped trusting God. She never stopped. Now, think about this story with me. Let's just kind of pace through it again. You ready? A woman of great faith, right? A woman of great faith. A woman of great courage who hid her son and put everything into God's hand. A woman of great discernment who knew it was time to build something, to send Moses on. She, listen, mamas, could you, I mean, you may have built the reed, but could you finally let go of that reed, that basket? Could you let go of that? I mean, that would have been painful, wouldn't it? That would have been terrible to have to, but she let it go. She trusted God. And then God brings the story for a circle. And because of her faithfulness, because of his plan, he takes her and he bless her. And she gets to raise her son as Pharaoh's daughter's son. And she gets to nurse him and take care of him. And most scholars would say that it was probably about three years from the time that she got him to the time she returned him. But here in the story, we see something interesting happen, that the story comes to a place where it's no longer, he's done nursing, and now she has to turn him back over to Pharaoh's daughter. And what I want you to notice about the story is this, she never stopped trusting God. See, I would think as a mother, if you got Moses, if, if, the, if Pharaoh's daughter would have said, hey, would you nurse my son and you take him for three years, there might be a point in your life and your heart that you go, I'm running, right? I'm running. I got my baby and I'm out of here. But she doesn't do that. Can I tell you what she does? For the second time, she lets him go. For the second time. This is a question, moms, ladies. Do you think she knew that moment was coming in her life? That she was going to have to let him go again? No. Do you think she treasured every single moment with him, knowing that that moment was going to come? Do you think she took all the time she had with Moses and she poured everything, and if she could have poured into him up to the point where he was three, she poured everything she could about Yahweh and worship and loving her God? Do you think she poured everything she could have into him? Sure she did. But there came a moment in Jacobed's life. Now, parents, you need to hear me say this because this is tough. There became a moment in Jacobed's life that she had to let Moses go for the second time. And here's why she did. You know, you look at that story going, that would be impossible to do. And I believe it would be impossible. But I believe with all of my heart, here's the conclusion Jacobed must have come to. That my son is better off in the hands of God than in my hands. And I got to let him go. Right? I believe that my son is better off in the hands of God than in my hands. And I have to just let him go. I'm going to tell you as a parent, that's pretty tough, isn't it? I remember, you know, we didn't put our kids in a basket and send them down the river, but I do remember a moment when they were kids that Sonia and I would pray and, and we would talk and, we, you know, there's something as a parent, I want my kids to come to know Christ. I, I just couldn't imagine a life where they weren't believers and they didn't trust Christ. And so we would pray and we would pray and we would pray. And when those moments came, I mean, those were glorious moments. I had the privilege of baptizing all three of my boys. And so we're just like, oh my gosh, it's an amazing moment in the life of the Osbournes. But can I tell you that while that was a difficult time, some of the hardest times was the later let go we had to do. Because guess what kids do, parents? That gummit, they grow up, right? 
And here's what happens. They go off to college. <laughs> they go off to college. You knew it was going right. They go off to college. They go into the military. They begin a career. They get married. And there's a point where you just have to guess what? Let go again. Now, here's the reality. Yesterday, Sonia loves the beach, and I'm just okay with the beach, and she wanted to go to the beach, so we went to the beach, and, and I did what every person on the beach should do. I found the biggest umbrella I could find with a chair and a shade, and that's exactly where I stayed the entire time. And I was rereading the story of Exodus, and there was a part of me that just it dawned on me this truth, and it's this. We raise our kids to let them go. You ever thought about that? We raise our kids to let them go. I'm telling you, if, you, if you're a parent and you've got a small kid through a teenager, they are going. Now, I know when they're teenagers, you're ready to kind of shove them a little faster. I get that. But at the end of the day, they're going to go. They are going to go. And I think like Jacobet, we need to have that heart that says, I need to treasure every moment I have with them, even in the moments of rebellion, even in the moments of just disobedience. I need, to, I need to treasure that. I need to make sure that I enjoy these moments. I need to make sure that I pour all of what God has taught me into them as long as I have them. Because there's going to come a moment. That I have to say, you are better off in the hands of God than you are under my roof. And I just have to let you go. We raise our kids to let them go. And I just want to tell you, one of the marks of a godly mother, a godly lady, a godly man, a godly dad, is that we never stop trusting God. Just like Jacobad. And so I want to challenge all the ladies in the room this morning. And I want to challenge the men as well. Would we make sure that we are faithful to grow in our walk with Christ? Would you commit to be really faithful to make sure you're pouring yourself into God's word and that you're pouring yourself into worshiping the king? Would you be faithful to do that? Would you be courageous enough to say, God, I know that you're in control and I know that I'm going to hand my kiddos off to you. I know that your will is better than my will and I trust you, Lord. Would you be discerning? Make a plan for how you're going to raise your kids knowing there's going to come a moment where you have to let them go. You just have to trust God with them. And would you make sure that no matter what comes your way, that you would never stop trusting the Lord? See, here's the beautiful thing. When you let them go, God still has them. God still got them. And I'm going to say, there's some in the room today, maybe you're struggling with that. You're struggling, okay, I don't want to let go. Well, listen, you have to let go. There has to be a moment because God's way is better than your way, amen? It is. His plans are better than your plans. And I know letting go is hard. I've done it twice, and I hate it every minute. I hate every minute of every day, and I hate it because I, I, I can't wait for the moment. My boys and their, and their soon-to-be wife and wife and my grandson can be in the same house because I may never let them. I may lock the doors and board them up, and nobody's leaving the house. But there's a moment. You say, God, I trust you. And I feel like that I've loved them, I've cared for them, and i poured everything that I could pour into them that you've taught me. I'm going to let them go, Lord. They're in your hands. And I trust you. Dads, moms, can you make that commitment this morning? And then maybe there's somebody here this morning. I thought about this this morning as a friend. Maybe there's somebody here that you've been coming to church and you resented your parents because they always made you go to church. They made you miss baseball games to go to church. They made you miss all this stuff. You know what they were doing? They were putting you in a path to meet Jesus, right? 
They were putting you in a place to grow in your faith in Christ. And you resent them for that. And now you realize maybe for the first time, they put me in a path because they did love me. They did care for me. And they wanted me to meet the only one that could change my life. And maybe for somebody here today, that's a moment where you go, okay, I, I need to say yes to that. I need to surrender my life to Christ. So wherever you find yourself this morning, moms, I don't mean to depress you or upset you. I'm just telling you, listen, Jochebed was a woman of great faith, of great courage. She was a woman of great discernment, and she was a woman that never stopped trusting God. And that should be all of our stories too, right? And so maybe wherever your struggle, would you just ask the Lord to do work in your life? And if you have never trusted Christ and your parents were the ones that kept putting you in that path, would you just say yes to him today? Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's just stand together. God, I love you. And I thank you for today. And I thank you that we had the privilege to talk about a mama who, who we rarely ever talk about, if ever. Maybe, maybe people here today have never heard the name Jochebed. But God, when we look at her life, man, she had to be a woman of great faith. She was obviously a woman of great courage who just knew that you had control. She was a woman of great discernment and knew exactly at the right time because you told her. And she made a plan what to do with Moses. And that moment, she put him in the path to make sure he would be rescued. But then there came the really difficult moment when she had to turn him back at about three years of age, Lord, and give him back to Pharaoh's daughter to raise as her own. And God, I just thank you that for all of us in the room, whether we're mamas or not, whether we're dads or not, just for all of us as men and women in the room today, that we understand that the mark of godly living is being a person of faith, being a person of courage, being a person of discernment, and being a person, no matter what, that never stops trusting you. So God, I pray for us today. I pray in particular for the parents in the room, especially the parents of those that have small kids, all the way, really all the way up through teenagers, I guess. Would you challenge them today that they need to do whatever they can do? Whether it's putting their kids in VBS, send them to kids camps, send them to youth camp, bring them to small groups, whatever it is. That they would make sure that they are continually putting their kids in the path to meet Jesus. Because he's the only one that can rescue. And they got to pray for the parents of those that maybe are a little bit older. Maybe those that we've prayed for. We've watched them come along your path. And now we just have to simply let them go. Maybe they've began a career or stepped off into college or gotten married or moved to the military, whatever the case may be, that we just let them go. Not because we don't care, not because we don't ever want to en en enlighten them or give them wisdom again, but we're giving them over to you, Lord, saying, Lord, we totally trust you because we know when we let go, you never let go. So God, give us the courage to do that this morning. God, just be with us. Wherever we struggle with these things, whether it be we struggle with our faith, we struggle with courage, we struggle with discipline and discernment, we struggle with trusting you, God, would you just do a work in our lives this morning? God, we love you, and we need you. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Have the Lord maybe leading you this morning. Would you just right where you stand, maybe you need to say, that's fine. Would you just do business with God? Maybe you're a mama who's struggling with that. Maybe just do business with God. Maybe you're a dad that's struggling with that. Just do business with God. Or maybe you're just, I mean, you're a mom or a dad, and, and you're like, man, I still struggle with being courageous, Lord. I struggle with this sermon. I struggle trusting with God. Would you just do business with God wherever you find yourself this morning and make sure that you're faithful to respond in the way that he's leading you? So let's worship together, and may we be faithful to respond to him.